Amen. Good morning, everybody. One quick announcement. Lee Shepard, Tim's father, is still at, he's in the hot Hendersonville. He's got the flu, so remember him in your prayers also, but he may be able to come home tomorrow. What a blessing it is to see David, my brother. Man, what a, that's an answered prayer right there, brethren. We prayed and it happened. Here he is. Uh, what an exciting thing. And you know what? I've also heard and seen some other answered prayers today. Which goes to show, if you pray, it'll happen if you have faith. Don't be like the sea when you pray and just let it toss and turn and, and take you every which way. No, pray with confidence. Pray that you know that the Lord's going to answer your prayer because our God is an awesome God. Amen? And He reigns from heaven above and He loves His children. He loves everybody. But He loves His children and He loves to give them the blessings that they've earned by doing the things that He's asked us to do. And it's an honor for me to be able to speak again this morning to speak from His Word. I love His Word. It's so powerful. It's so life-changing. The Bible says in Psalm 119, 130, The entrance of your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. God's Word, listen to what that says. God's Word even helps the simple-minded people. And I'm thankful for that because, boy, I'm simple-minded. Huh? <laughs> I'm not real bright. But guess what the Bible says? It gives understanding to the simple, the Bible. It allows me to understand the way to righteousness. Psalms 119 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. His word is what gives us light to our paths. And what's so amazing and encouraging is that His word is here and will never, ever go away. I don't know what's going on with the clicker, but... Isaiah 48 the grass withers, the flowers fades, but the word of our God, it stands forever. What confidence we should have as children of God to know that what he says is true and what he says has and will come to pass. How do we know that? How do we know that? Because we go to his word and we see that Psalm 1830, it says, as for God... His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in Him. His word is what guides us. His word is what protects us. His word is proven through the test of time to be the truth. We look at all the history of the things that have went on. You can look and people have dug and dug and looked and searched and done all these uh, archaeological deals. And guess what? Every time they look, the Lord has always proven to be right on point. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? To know that what we have before us is the truth. 
what confidence we can have as children of God to know that what we read is really God's Word. And if we follow this, we'll be successful in our lives. But you know what? That's easier said than done, right? Let's just be honest. We struggle as people to do what people tell us to do, right? Aaron, every Monday, usually gives me a list of the things that I need to get accomplished for the end of the week. Well, I don't like that list. That list bothers me. She gives me the list and tells me, now, I'd like for these things to be done, and I just roll my eyes, right? Y'all know the emoji with the eye roll? That's what I do, right? No, I'm just kidding. I make sure it's done is what I do. <laughs> I don't get it done, I'm going to get in trouble. Ain't that right, Carrie Poe? <laughs> Getting people on it. <laughs> I love y'all. But last week, I want to just in, implement this for just a second as we continue into this lesson. I'm really excited about this lesson, but I painted two pictures. And uh, the first picture that I painted was about the Jewish people in Jeremiah's time and how they had forsaken God. Can you flip that? Uh, yeah, Jeremiah 2.13. It says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. They had forsaken the living waters, which is God's word and his guidance. They had forsaken it. And what they had done was they had built cisterns or a well. They had built their own, and this is spiritually speaking. They had built their own well to hold their own water. We understand the concept of a well, right? A well fills up and it has water, and when you're thirsty, you go to the well and you pull out water, right? Here's what he's saying. What these people were doing was not going where the water flowed freely. They went and made their own hole to get their own water because they knew the best. Flip that next one. Jeremiah 44, 16 through 17 says this. Listen to what they said. As for the word that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we will not listen to you. But what are they going to do? Certainly do whatever has gone out of our own mouth. I know what you said comes from the Lord. I understand that that's what he wants us to do. But guess what? We're not going to do it. I'm going to do it out of what I think is best. Dangerous area to be in. Dangerous area to live in. To be able to uh, think and, and know in your mind and make that right that what you do and what you say is the best. Especially if it comes, becomes contrary to God's word. But the second picture, we looked at Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. If you would, turn with me to Acts chapter 17, because that's where we'll be this morning. But in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas go into Philippi, and they end up getting locked up. They get put in prison, and what do they do? They grumble, they complain, they curse God, they do all of these terrible things because God is such a terrible God. No. They sung praises. They prayed. 
They talked to the Lord during this tough time because they knew that the Lord was with them. They understood what the Lord said. So when we think about this, because they acted that way, they affected people around them. They affected people so much that the jailer, after this earthquake comes and frees the, everybody in the jail, becomes a Christian. He wants to know what's up with these people. Why are you acting in a different way? Why? Because they were drinking of the living waters. When we drink from the living water, we, uh, the way we act, the way that we talk, no matter where we go, our lives are centered on Him and doing what He says. Our lives or our wells then continue to fill up with this living water until it does what? Flip that next one. John 7, 38, thank you. He who believes you ahead of me. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Think about that concept. Paul and Silas weren't building their own well or their own cistern. No, guess who they were letting build it for them? God. And when he builds something, you think it has holes in it? No way. When you continue to do as God says, not only will he build a well that will never leak, it will flow over. Think about that spiritually for your life. How does that come about? How does that happen? You see, there's no success in Jeremiah's day from these uh, Jewish people. And then there's success in Paul and Silas. But what's the key ingredient? The living water. Just how important is God's word then? Well, here's the reality. Without it, our life is unsuccessful. Our life is filled with holes. So how do we make God's Word become a part of our lives? Okay, Matt, yeah, we get it. We hear this all the time, right? God's Word, God's Word, God's Word. Yes, that's true. But how do we make it become a part of our lives? Well, that brings us to this week's lesson. I want to start in Acts 17 and I want to just, I'm not going to hang a, a long way in all of the chapter. I'm going to settle in about verse 11, but I want to bring us into the context. Paul has just left from Philippi and now he enters into Thessalonica. And I want to pick up in verse, uh, right at the end of verse 1, it says, There was a synagogue of the Jews. And then verse 2 says, Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, This Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded. I want you to remember that phrase. Some of them were persuaded. And go to verse 5, it says, But the Jews who were not persuaded, they became envious. 
You know, that's kind of the word that the Jews are attached with in Acts that didn't believe. They became envious of this preaching of the gospel, this preaching of the truth, this preaching which would allow everybody to be a part of the family of God. You know, to be envious means to be heated or to boil with envy or hatred or anger. To be mad. They were mad at Paul and Silas. These Jews were so upset that they go and look what they do. Uh, Verse 5. These Jews who were not persuaded become envious and took some of the evil men from the marketplace. They had become so envious that that by any means they were going to take care of Paul and Silas. And what do they do? They go and get evil men. What a dangerous place to be, huh? Stay away from envy, brethren. Envy will cause you to do terrible things. But look what happens. They go and they they cause this uproar. And they're going and looking for Paul and Silas. Well, they don't find them. They know they're staying in Jason's house. So they go and get Jason. And look at verse 6. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Jason has harbored them. Harbored them. Like some fugitives. He harbored them and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar saying there is another king, Jesus. I love that comment. Because there is a king. And his name is Jesus. And he's reigning on the throne. Amen, brethren. He is reigning on the throne right now. It was a true statement. And here they were trying to make a a disrespectful mockery of of this uh, truth to stir up this crowd. So the crowd uh, in the middle of the night, uh, immediately they send Paul and Silas away. It says in verse 10, Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. And here it is, verse 17 verse 11. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. What an encouraging scripture. For us to not only think about this morning, but to elaborate on. One verse. Remember the question that I asked just a few moments ago? How do we make God's Word become a part of our lives? We have to do as these Bereans did. Well, what did they do? They had a spiritual appetite. A spiritual appetite. Water and food. You see how Jesus does stuff? He makes these... uh, the, The Bible allows us to look at things in the physical and we're able to apply them spiritually. And here's how I know it. Because I love to eat. 
The McGuire's told me they went to McDonald's and tried, Christian tried to order a Grand Mac and they said, the preacher has ate all the Grand Macs. There ain't no more. Sorry. You go to Fountainhead? Yeah, that guy. I like to eat. I ain't going to lie about it. I know I can get an amen about it, but y'all just trying to hide it. But <clears throat> I like to eat. I enjoy it. It's something that I can do very well. The problem is my metabolism is kind of going down a little bit. So now uh, it just settles in my belly. So I got to be careful. But we understand the analogy of this appetite. But what an encouraging thing to think about with these Bereans. They had a spiritual appetite. In order for us to be able to gain any nutrients, in order for us to be able to grow spiritually from the Word, we've not only got to hear it, but we've got to apply it. And we've got to be able to do that. And when that happens, what develops is holes begin to start becoming plugged up. If we've built our own cistern or our own well, which is our lives. If we've turned and we've started to build our own cistern and we say, you know what, I'm going to turn to the Lord and I'm going to turn to what He says, then guess what happens? Those holes start getting plugged up and the water starts rising. Living water, brethren. I want you to think about what uh, Jesus says in Matthew 6. He says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So what can we learn from these Bereans? The first thing this morning I want us to consider is they were fair-minded. They were fair-minded. Some translations would say more noble. Well, what does that mean to be fair-minded? You see, these Jews from Berea, as Paul preached to them, they actually gave him a chance to speak. <laughs> they actually listened to what he said. They heard it without the decision one way or the other. They did it without prejudice and they showed respect. Why is this so important? Why should we follow this example of these Bereans? How does that show they had a spiritual appetite? Consider this. There are so many different religious groups around here. It's crazy. Thousands of different beliefs, different views. But the confidence that we have as being a part of the Lord's church is that we have an answer for it. Any question, any comment, Anything that comes, I may not know it right now, but hey, give me a chance, right? Why is that? You know, that was one of the main reasons why I came to the body of Christ. Why I left where I was at. Really, it was the only reason why. Because of God's Word. 
You know, people may have great points. People may uh, say things and you say, oh, absolutely I agree with that. But the fact is, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what they think. The only opinion that matters is whose? God's. Amen? So what does that teach us? When others come to us and tell us what they believe, we should let them speak. We should give them a chance to talk about whatever they believe and why they believe it. And when that happens, what we do is we establish something. We establish a relationship. And at least, if nothing else ever comes out of it, guess what you have done? You have shown them respect. Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. Is that what we're about? But so many times we don't do this and I've fallen victim to this myself. I don't allow that friend or that family member to say uh, what they uh, believe or how they feel on that opinion because guess what? I'm going to interrupt them with the truth because I'm anxious about telling people the truth. No, man, no, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. That's not right. And here's why. Acts 10 or Act whatever. But we either interrupt or we begin to tell them in a rude way that they're wrong. And I'm not saying don't tell somebody that they're wrong. But if you're going to tell them that, how you got to do it? Through God's Word. Because we know we can take people to the Bible and say the Bible says... But so many times we'll make a good situation, a great situation bad. But when we have a spiritual appetite, we understand what the Word tells us. Listen to this in Titus. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility. The next verse says, sound speech that cannot be condemned. Well, what's the point? That one who is an opponent may be ashamed having nothing evil to say to you, of you. That one who is an opponent may be ashamed having nothing evil to say of you because what's my mission? My mission is to say, you know what? This is what the Bible says and this is what God wants you to hear. Not, I'm right, you're wrong, get out of my face. Get out of my face, man, you know I'm right. I'm glad I proved my point, right? Go to the next person, get them. No. So what does this have to do with the spiritual appetite? And yes, I've kind of twisted this around a little bit. But follow along with me. Because if we care about the Word and someone is talking about spiritual things, if we're interested in talking to them, where are we going to take them? To the truth. 
We care about it enough to hear what they say. We care enough to hear somebody wants to have a spiritual conversation. I'm going to put Luke on spotlight just for a minute, but he told me, and this is sad for me to hear, that some of the college kids don't want to talk about Jesus anymore. Can you believe that? People would rather talk about anything else than Jesus and His Word. Not the Bereans. Not the Bereans. We're not even talking about Christians yet. We're talking about Jews. But they were interested in hearing what He had to say. And they showed Him respect. Now look at the next point though. It says... These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness. So I hear what you say, but guess what? I'm ready to engage the conversation. I'm not ready to brush you off. I'm not ready to just lay it down and get away. I actually have somebody in front of me that wants to talk about spiritual things. Have you ever wanted that? Have you ever wanted to talk to somebody about spiritual things and they just don't want to talk about it? It's kind of discouraging, ain't it? But these Bereans were ready and they received this word with all readiness. With all readiness. What does that show? That pleasing God and doing what the Lord said was on the forefront of their mind. Why do we struggle sometimes when we're talking to others? Because we know we're right, right? And then sometimes we force it. But to really understand this concept, think about what it says. They received what Paul said with all readiness. When I'm hungry and Aaron tells me the food is ready, where do you think I go? And I hadn't done this in a couple of times. And I can't believe it. But usually when she says, hey, it's time to eat, Libby, Isaac, let's pray. I'm ready to eat, man. I'm hungry. Are we ready for spiritual questions? Are we ready to talk about spiritual things? Are we hungering and thirsting for righteousness? If we're in the Word, if we're letting the Word work in our lives, it puts a different thought in your head. Ask yourself this question and just be honest. How much time do you spend in God's Word every week other than Wednesday and Sunday? How many times do you open up your Bible and look into God's Word and dive in? Not only every week, let's even get even more, uh, let's draw it even down to a more serious point. Every day. These Bereans were excited and ready to hear what he said because they knew where the right answer was going to be. The living water. God's Word. 
When we long and thirst for the Lord's Word, it changes our lives. Think about what Galatians 2.20 says. I have been crucified with Christ. Now I want y'all to catch this. We, I use this verse a lot and we know this verse, a lot of us in here, but some don't. Because I want, but I want you to see what it says right here. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live. It's no longer me who lives. Mm-mm. But Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me now if I'm a child of God. And the life which I now live in the flesh, the life which I live right now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I've challenged myself to the realization that Jesus loved me so much that He gave Himself for me. He died for me. And you know what? In turn, I'm no longer going to live for myself. I'm going to live for Him. Because He lives in me. How does He live in me? Because I understand what God's Word tells me to do and then I go do it. You see how it works? You see how it works? I get what God tells me to do to be nice to my brother, to be nice to my neighbor, whatever the situation is, whatever the verse says, and then guess what happens? I go apply it and guess what happens? It changes that person. They can't say nothing bad about me. I may not agree with you, but you know what? Man, you are super respectful to me. And I admire that. Who knows how far that'll go? Who knows how far that'll go? But these Bereans, not only were they fair-minded, not only did they give them a chance, but they received the word with all readiness. They were ready to receive it. They were confident to know that whatever Paul said, if it was true, if what you're saying is true, it's going to be found in the Scriptures. Look at the next verse, John 17, 17. Jesus is praying for the disciples and He says, Sanctify them by your truth because your word is truth. It's truth. Psalm 119, 160 says, the enti- and this verse right here, y'all, highlight it in your Bible. It is an awesome verse. When I saw it, I said, even if I ain't even in the context, I'm going to read this verse because, man, it's powerful. The entirety of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. Man. That is a great verse. The entirety of your word is truth. Everything from cover to cover is truth. Why were those Bereans so... uh, Why do they uh, have such this uh, good spiritual appetite? Because they understand that verse. And we should too. Which brings me to the third point. Not only were they fair-minded, not only were they ready, but they did this. They searched the Scriptures. They opened the Scriptures up and actually got in it. They got in it. And not only did they do it one time, they did it daily. 
This was some serious folk right here. This was some serious Jews right here. In a tough time for a Jew to be converted to be a Christian, here they were listening to what he says, and then, okay, if it's true, guess what? We'll find it right here in the Scripture. And remember what Paul did? I like how it explained what he did in Thessalonica. Look back at verse 2 in, in Acts 17. He says, Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths he did this. He reasoned with them from the Scriptures, and he explained and demonstrated that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead. They didn't have the New Testament then. They didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John... Uh, Acts, Romans, they didn't have that. What did they have? They had the Old Testament. And so here was Paul explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again. And here he goes to Berea, probably doing the exact same thing. And they heard it. They received it with readiness. And then they said, let's dive in. Let's dive in. Let's look at it. Think about what that means for us. You want to have a Bible study? Here you go. As soon as somebody starts talking about a spiritual thing, don't immediately just chew them out. Say, oh, really? That's what you believe? Hey, let's go look at it. How do you, why do you believe that? Because I'm confident in the fact that once we can look at the Scriptures, the Bible bears out the truth. Amen? I don't just think and say, yes, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, so I'm saved. If somebody would tell me that, I would say, well, yeah, that's absolutely true. Why do you believe that? Boom, I'm in the Bible. <laughs> I'm already in the Bible now. That's, I mean, just that quick. Here were these Bereans, and they were ready to do it. And look at the other side of this. Paul and Silas, who are the same way, look at the encouragement that they have together. They studied the scriptures daily. They was about it. You know, if, if I'm going to base my decision in my life on how I worship, on how I talk, on how I think, on how I do anything, how do I do it? Based on the scripture. Not by man's opinion, not by my own opinion. I may have a great idea. But these Bereans were built in such a way that they would listen to what you were saying. But the only way they were going to believe you is if the Scripture said it. Man, that's awesome. They had a huge appetite for God's Word. In verse 4 in, in Thessalonians, I mean in, in Acts 17, in Thessalonica, you remember he preached to them, and in verse 4 it said, and some of them were persuaded. Now look what happens in Berea. It says that they were for, for, uh, more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. And look what it says in verse 12. Therefore, many of them believed. Many. Taking them to the scripture. Well, Matt, I take people to the scripture and they just don't listen to it. Well, guess what? Go find somebody else. <laughs> 
Go find somebody else. Go talk to somebody else. Never get discouraged on one person saying no because you may have planted a seed that may come out later on. I planted, Apollos watered, but guess who caused the increase? God. I'm just doing my job. How do I do that job? By having a love for the Word. I want to close with this thought. Satan came and tempted Jesus and told him that if he was the Son of God, that these, he could command these stones uh, to become bread. And Jesus tells him in Matthew 4.4, 4, he says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. John 1.1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it says later, just a little bit down in verse 14, And that Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Jesus is God. And Jesus says, my words will judge you in the end. How important is it for us to know what Jesus says? Because what he says is what judges us in the end. So, yeah, we live by bread absolutely in the physical sense. But we should live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that gives us life eternal. Forever and ever and ever. But that only happens when we have an appetite for it. So the question this morning is, do we? Do we have an appetite for God's Word? Are we hungering and thirsting for that righteousness? Or are we just going to go out and put our Bible up and then say, I'll see you Wednesday. Hey, I'm not saying I don't do it sometimes myself. I don't want to, though. Let me be honest. Can I be honest for just a second? I've already taken y'all way past time. <laughs> Let me just be honest for a second. Sometimes I don't do like I should do. Guess what? I'm human, and I sin, and I mess up. But I don't want to. I want to open God's Word and not just study what I'm about to preach. I want to study for my personal gain. I want to study so that I can show myself approved that when somebody has a question, I can say, oh yeah, I know that answer. Or I can go when I'm at work and say, man, I was talking about Moses. I was reading about Moses yesterday and guess what happened to him? People will listen. God's word is powerful, isn't it? It's living. It's a sword. David just told me that James said that this was his sword and he was about to go out and start stabbing People, that's awesome. Hey, brethren, don't get a real knife. Get this knife, okay? This sword right here. And go start stabbing some folk. Maybe you're here today and you need to become a Christian. Maybe you're here. Thank you all very much for being here, guests. You are our honored guests and we love you and we hope that you come back. Uh, we, we appreciate visitors and we, we love you all so much. Thank you. 
But maybe you're here today and you need to become a child of God. Maybe you need to become a Christian and be added to the family. You do that by obedience to the gospel. Believe in who Jesus is. Repenting of your sins. Jesus said, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Being willing to confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Ethiopian eunuch was talking to Philip and he saw some water and he says, what hinders me from being baptized? He says, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you may. And he said, I do. And being baptized in water for the forgiveness of sin. Ananias told Saul that God has a great plan for you. What are you waiting on? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And then Jesus said in Revelations 2, 10, He told the brethren, He's encouraging them. He said, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. If you need to obey the gospel, don't wait. Jesus Christ could come back right now. He could come back at this very moment. We don't know when, but will you be ready? You can be ready right now and have your sins washed away and be added to the body. But maybe you need prayers. Maybe you need to repent. Whatever you need, don't wait. Don't put it off. Come right now. Together we stand and sing.